Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. hey Hi, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Steve. Steve here. Hello, hello, and we have a very special episode 101 for you. Why is it very special? Because we are going to actually break our normal format and just talk about a game that Steve's been playing, but not in a top five format. Yeah, this game is Anne's End, The New Age. If you're not familiar, this takes Anne's End and puts a twist to it where now you can play campaign games outside of the normal gameplay mode. Yeah, I'm super interested in this because I love campaign systems and I love campaign games. I didn't get into Legacy and I haven't gotten this one yet. And I love Anne's End. I just feel like I have a lot of content for it. So that's why I personally haven't taken the leap. But the content in this one has me very interested. Yeah, it was an interesting story for me. I originally wasn't backing this game, and my wife and I played through the legacy game of this. And when we finished that campaign, my wife turned to me like, wow, I really like that. I, is there any more? I'm like, well, now that you mentioned that, there's this new age. And so based upon her requests, I went on and then late backed this one. Very sneaky of you. Very sneaky of you indeed, Steve. Like, I, <laughs> I definitely like the, hey, why don't we play this game, which may or may not happen to be on Kickstarter right now, and see how you like it. Oh, you really like it? Oh, you want more? Huh, let me see what I can do about that. Yeah, that definitely worked out in my favor. <laughs> Very nice. I like it. All right, so without further ado, why don't we get into the discussion? And after we get done talking about Anne's and the New Age, we're going to have a brief design discussion about campaigns in general and just some pros and cons of campaign play. But without further ado, let's get into Anne's and the New Age. So, Steve, why don't you tell us some of the stuff about it? Yeah, so this one's a kind of similar in format to Legacy, if you played Anne's and Legacy, but they'll twist it up a little bit. So, the basic premise is you will choose from a selection of mages i think they have four to start out with and there is a deck of cards if you're familiar with a pandemic legacy or anzen's legacy or really a lot of these legacy games i have these these stop decks where you flip over the card to read a few cards and then it tells you to stop playing until something happens and you continue on reading and as you're playing this game there will be envelopes and other things to open as you play it now i say the words envelope and stuff like that this is not a persistent game in the sense that you put stickers or write up cards or tear things up. You can totally reset this and replay the whole thing again if you wanted. Well, let me stop you before we get too far into it. So is this a standalone product? You don't need anything else to play with this campaign? That's correct. It's a standalone product. But can you use your old Aeons and stuff? Like if I love a certain mage, could I bring him into this campaign? Uh, yes and no. So if you decide to play the expedition that's pre-made in the the box you use everything in just that box oh interesting but when you're done there are rules on how you can take this expedition mode this campaign mode that's what expedition is called in this game and take it to include every product out there for Anne's end okay and how many like missions are there in the campaign so each expedition you will play up to four nemesis and there's some tweaks to it too and there's some rules where you can like replay a nemesis in case you lose it lose against it but basically, every campaign is going to be uh, four battles, they call it. Got it. And what happens if you fail one of those battles? If you fail the battle, you will have an opportunity to adjust the card pool. So if you played Aeons and Legacy, what would happen is you could then take the market space and you can actually swap out cards. And in this case, you still have the same thing where you can like, oh yeah, I know this, this card really worked really well. This one didn't work so well. I'm going to banish it. And so it gives you a card divider where you can take this removal from the game and add a new set in there. 
You can also adjust uh, your mages and a few other things. So when you banish those cards, are they gone forever, or are they just gone for that one particular mission you're playing? They're gone for that campaign. Oh, cool. All right, so you're making some choices as how to... You're not only deck building in the game, but you're kind of deck building out of the game, too. You're, like, designing your card pool that you're playing with. That's exactly right. Oh, that's neat. And you said they did that in Legacy as well? Yeah, this is something very similar to Legacy, where in Legacy you had a card pool, and you would, as you played through the campaign of that one, you would unlock new cards to add or remove from your marketplace. And the same thing's here. Will you un unlock more cards as well? And then there's also rules at the end of the game how you can take this and, and apply it to your whole product line. So when you play these four mission campaigns, they is there a story thread that carries them through? Or what what is connecting this? This is a good talking point. There is a story from the pre-made expedition in the box. And there's also another expansion, which I did purchase. I haven't played through it yet, but it also has another pre-made expansion. When I say pre-made expansion, it actually has a story. And as you play through the story, you will open envelopes and unlock things that pertain to that story. But there's no, like, decision points other than, hey, did you win or lose? And so that's the what I call the pre-made expedition. But what you can do is after you're done with this, uh, this campaign, you can then play a, I don't know, build your own uh, expedition or build your own campaign in essence. And obviously in that case, you won't have a storyline to read along with it. You'll just set up the battles and play through the battles without an overlapping story. Now, I know in Legacy, you got better as the campaign went along. Is there anything else tying these four missions in each expedition together? Like, are you leveling up? Are the bosses getting harder as you go along? Like, what is the carrying thread through there, if it's not too spoilery? No, I think most people have heard about what this does, and I'll, I'll spare some of the details till maybe after the credits. But in this game, you will level up your mage, and the nemesis will level up as well. And I think I'll get into more details about that later. All right, cool. I'm actually very interested. So even if you're like me and you haven't played the game or haven't played the system yet, but you're interested in hearing more about that, we are going to do a more spoilery section that are going to be after the credits. And that way we don't ruin anything for you guys now, but you can still hear about it. We're not going to spoil the story or anything like that, but we may spoil some gameplay elements that people want to keep hidden. So we'll save that discussion till after the credits. Yeah, we'll keep this very generic so you shouldn't be spoiled. But one thing I do want to talk about with the story, since you mentioned it, is how does the story compare to the Aeons and Legacy story, because they both have stories in them. And so, I would say for the Legacy version, I felt much more invested in that one, interested, because I felt like there was actual decisions that impacted and persisted throughout throughout the game. And this one, we were just kind of reading a story. It was fine, but it didn't do as much for me as the Legacy version did. Well, I think Legacy in general, because you're making permanent changes and you are naming things and whatever else, you do have much more of a personal connection. A lot of times campaign games, you're, you're kind of pulled through the story, and that's fine too. I actually prefer... Well, I don't know if I prefer one over the other. The nice part about campaign is that you can play it over and over again. Whereas Legacy, you play through once and you kind of have your story and you need to have a consistent group that kind of plays through with you. The nice part about campaign is, yeah, they might lead you through a generic story, but everyone is experiencing that same story and then you could talk about it with them. So there are definitely pros and cons to both, but this isn't a design discussion about Legacy games versus campaign games. Let's get back into Aeon's End. The other thing I'll mention is the mages. I thought the mages in this game were particularly interesting. They all had additional components and other things they did. And I won't get into the details of that. I'll save that a spoiler, but I, I really enjoyed that. It felt like they started to hit a nice trend where these mages are starting to be very unique. They kind of learned from past experiences, and now they're making their mages more and more cool with each 
different expansion, which excites me for what they have planned for the future, too. Agreed, yep. And for the Nemesis in this one, I thought the Nemesis were good. There were some pretty interesting ones, but I don't think they were as unique or as engaging as some of the past ones. Especially with Legacy, I thought there were some really interesting designs they did there, but I didn't see that as much here. I mean, they were good. I enjoyed all of them. There's like one that's kind of similar to a previous one. And one that was just super annoying, but we did eventually get through it, so... Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. <laughs> Whereas with the characters, they've created new space and developed new stuff. Maybe they were so unique with the bosses to begin with that they're having a hard time topping themselves. Yeah, that might be true here. Interesting. All right, well, uh, what else did you want to talk about? I think you mentioned the card pool here. The card pool's nice. They give you a lot of cards. I enjoyed some of the new know, themes to the cards that are adding. I won't get into details there, but I do think I enjoyed like the legacy cards better. I felt like they did more cool stuff than this one. This one's fine though. It's it feels like you know just like your normal Aeon's End expansion, which is like cool new cards, but like the legacy one, in my opinion, was like had some of the best cards that were most interesting. Yeah, and this is one place where I felt like the people that have the game has fallen flat that I've played it with have felt that way because of the card pool itself because a lot of the cards are very generic gain two money you know gain two extra if you do this or whatever but have they come up with new creative ways beside like basically gaining money and doing damage are there other effects in the game or are they still riffing off of the same two basic resources which are money and damage it's still those two basic resources there's some interesting ways in how you can cooperate with each other in this game it's still kind of the basic theme so they have found ways though for the cards to interact with each other i mean don't get me wrong like i i am not one of these people i actually feel like the cards are very unique and some of them help you cull and some do other things but the people that i've played with that didn't enjoy it have said that the cards felt very generic to them and yes this one does three damage and this does two but they didn't feel like there was a whole lot of strategy around it but i i personally don't agree with that i actually like what the cards do and i think they do a very good job of working with their way they have their un unique deck building system where you put the cards in a certain order when you put them in your deck and they keep that order throughout so i think they actually do a very good job of designing cards around that play space so do they continue that in this yeah i mean i it sounds like i'm bashing on the carpool here and i'm i'm really not it's just it doesn't ex excel but it's still good i still enjoyed all the cards in there it still was fun cool all right so what else did you want to talk about with this new box steve the other thing i want to mention is i want to give them credit that they've really thought about how this set impacts the rest of the collection and so they did something i wasn't expecting and i'll say that for the spoiler but how it makes it very apparent and very easy for you to take all the previous products you have and integrate it into the system. Now, so you have to wait for that, though, till after you play through the campaign? That's correct. So the, like I said before, the campaign, it kind of walks you through and introduces how the campaign works. And when you get to the end, you get a separate rule book, which is just like this two-page insert. It's pretty, there's not much to it. But then that explains how you can take this expedition or campaign concept and apply it across the board. In fact, the other thing they did interesting were there were some complaints about the Aeon's End Legacy mages because in that game, you create this cool mage and it's your mage. It's very, very fun. But in that game, to play your mage outside of the Legacy campaign, you have to ignore something. I won't get into details of that, but you have to ignore something on your player card or, or your mage abilities to make it so it's the same power level. In this expedition mode, 
there's rules on how you can incorporate that now into this campaign. So now you can play your legacy mage at full power. So for all those people who crossed out their special powers because they didn't think they'd ever need them again, I'm sorry. <laughs> yep. That's just one one example of what they did. So I was really impressed with what they did for this product. In fact, this one is a strong recommend. If you like Anzan, I I think legacy is a good choice if you're new to the system. It does a good job explaining that. Or if you want to own custom mage. But this one, I, I'm i really, really impressed with this one. Strong recommend for me. So you could skip Aeons and Legacy and go straight to here. Do you think you'd lose something by doing that? I don't think so. I think it'd be okay doing that. I, in fact, I would probably only do Aeons and Legacy if you want like a little bit better story, or if you want to make the mages. But you really are only losing out on the additional content Legacy would give you. For example, at the end, you obviously can't play against the Legacy Nemesis and those Legacy mages because you don't have them. But other than that, you're not really missing much. In fact, you can play New Age without owning any previous content. Though, it does incentivize you to buy the previous content. Right, because of the way you can roll it in in the end. You got it. Cool. Now, do you think when you play in the future, you're going to play with this new expedition mode mostly? Or do you think you're going to play more one-offs? Honestly, every time I'm going to play expedition mode. This replaced regular plans and gameplay for me. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I mean, that's a very strong statement. So, I mean, if somebody is new to Aeon's End, would you suggest they come in right here with New Age, not buy the original content? And then if they like it, backfill with the original content? Yeah, I'd probably recommend that. I think it's worth it. Does it add too much complexity, though? Not only do you have to learn the game, but you have to learn the, you know, campaign type system, or do you think it doesn't add that much complexity to it? It doesn't add that much complexity. And I'll explain a little bit on the campaign without spoiling anything, but... The first game you play is honestly regular Aeon's End. And then what it does is it adds a little bit more to the game. And it makes it a little bit harder. And then, it, then you have to beat that one. Then it makes it a little bit more and a little bit harder each time until you get to the fourth one. So any final thoughts on Aeon's End New Age? Well, like I said before, this is a strong recommend for me. If you have Aeon's End, this is instant buy. Go buy it. If you played Aeon's End before, I would maybe pick up Legacy first. But otherwise, I would jump right into this. So for those of you who haven't played Aeon's End before, go back and listen all the way to episode 2. So it was, actually, we should have saved this for episode 102 instead of 101 because then it would have been exactly 100 episodes after. But anyway, 99 <laughs> episodes back, go ahead and listen to our review on Aeon's End, and that'll give you a little bit more about how to play Aeon's End specifically instead of just learning about this new campaign. This is almost an update on that review. All right, without further ado, let's get into our design discussion about the pros and cons of campaign play versus, you know, just one-off games. So based on that review, I'm assuming you like campaign games a little bit better than you like just one-off experiences. Kind of. So there's a caveat to that. I like campaign sure. play, but not for every game. And generally, I'm liking campaigns when they're short. And that's one reason why New Age jumped out at me so much, because it's Four battles. I mean, if you do really well, it's just four games being done. It could be longer than that if you have to replay them, but that's that's nice. And same thing with like Seal Team's Flicks. That was a nice short one. I feel like it's digestible. You get through it. So I really like campaigns like that. If it's a big long campaign, yeah, they can be really fun. But I feel like I'm playing the same game forever, and I I like some variety in my life. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Long campaigns are hard because you have to get a consistent group together. You have to keep playing the same game over and over. And the other hard part is they're competing with every other campaign game out there. Now, we are designing a campaign game right now ourselves, and I will say it's hard to 
try to design something that is within the constraints of what people expect. So within the framework of the game itself, yet make each mission feel unique and distinctive. And I think that's one of the key elements for someone designing a campaign game is you got to feel like you're doing something different on each mission and you're not just doing the same thing over and over. I mean, certain games have that problem where at the beginning of the game and the end of the game, you don't feel like you're doing different stuff. I can't imagine doing that over the course of like 5, 10, 15 games also. So you, you have to find a way to keep it fresh. And that's that's certainly one of the hard parts about designing campaign systems. So what do you think about standalone games that try to take something that could have been a campaign and added to a longer gameplay time. So games where you're kind of leveling up in the middle of it, is that what you're referring to or? Yeah, something that, you know, maybe I could have made each game be like 30 minutes and you leveled up between them. Or do I make the game like an hour and a half or two hours and you level up in game? I mean, I like short digestible things. I would much rather play, you know, th three 30 minute sessions of a game where as long as the leveling up and stuff I do between are cool, I would rather do that personally than I get that one game out of the way. I get something new and cool, and that's its own unique, distinct phase. And then I go back in and keep keep fighting. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with hour and a half, two hour games. Again, we're designing one right now where you're leveling up in the middle of it. But I do like, I mean, people who know me, who have listened to enough episodes know, I like things that are fun and quick to play but that give me long-term benefits and long-term gains. Yeah, so there was a game called Adventure Tactics, which just got funded on Kickstarter that we played recently, and I really liked it because each game was very unique feeling, very quick-to-play missions, like, I don't know, anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes, and then it had a really cool leveling system between it. Now, the problem Mike had with that is the missions weren't balanced very well, but... I only played two missions and I loved it because I love that quick feeling of accomplishing something and then getting rewarded for it and then going and doing something else. But the nice part about that game was each mission didn't take very long, so you could actually break it up very, very easily, you know, and just play one mission if you wanted. You could play two, you could play five. So it's nice that you could tailor your own game night based on how much of the campaign you want to play. That sounds great. Yeah, and like I said, unfortunately, I only played two missions, and we, I mean, even in those two missions, we did notice a little balance problems, and so hopefully they get that fixed before they send it out to Kickstarter backers, but I really liked the, the system in general. I loved the leveling system. I loved how the game played. It was very simple, but still tactical. Where it could fall flat is if the balance is way off. And, and that's what Mike noticed was the balance wasn't there for the missions. Some you'd win really quickly in 10 minutes, some you'd lose really quickly in 10 minutes, or it was a slog that took, you know, 45 minutes, which isn't really a slog. But, you know, if, if you feel like you're not getting anywhere, that's where it starts to drag. It's hard to balance that kind of thing for the long term, I guess, especially if you have branching paths the way this game did. The gameplay concepts and the leveling concepts were great in that one. And I hope either that one does it right or somebody in the future gets it right real soon. The other thing I think is interesting to talk about for campaign games is when do you level up? Do you level up in-game or outside of the game? And I, I think I like outside the game better because for me, I like taking my time and really thinking through what choices I need to make rather than kind of breaking up the gameplay and the turn structure if I'm trying to do that mid-game, make quick decisions. I mean, granted, if it's a, if it's a minor thing, like one box to check then it's fine to do in game but 
I don't know. I like to think about it in advance. Sure. And it depends if it's a core element of the gameplay too. Like there are some one-off games where you level up really quick while you're playing. And then at the end of it, you're resetting again for the next mission. And I don't mind that because the, the decisions you're making aren't permanent. Where it would bother me more is if you're making decisions that are going to hold through the course of five, six, seven games. And you have to do that in the middle of the game. I think... I think that's where it would fall down for me. Yeah, I agree with that. But another game that does it really well is Journeys in Middle-Earth. You know, you play missions, and they're not that long, to be honest. You know, an hour, hour and a half. And some of those tactical map missions could be like 30 to 45 minutes. And then you get to level up between each of those missions. So I think that does a good job as well of, you know, having both things. Having quick gameplay and, you know, an interesting leveling system as well. One thing I find kind of difficult when looking at... The design of a campaign game is how do you manage failing and moving forward and balancing that for example if you lose at a mission do you give someone a benefit to make them win in the next mission whether it happens to be whether it's a replay or, or a separate mission or you know, uh, vice versa if you did really well do you detriment them and because if you would win and get something good out of it, that incentivizes you to win, but then you could get like the snowball effect almost. Well, now I'm winning a ton to the end. Yeah, that's really hard. And that's really hard to design around as well. You want to almost penalize people who win because they want more of a challenge later down the road. And you want to make it easier for people who aren't doing as well, but then you're not incentivized to win individual games. Uh, Pandemic Legacies do it kind of nice where they give you temporary bonuses if you lose but you're getting better and better board state as you win so they're kind of balancing themselves out that way but yeah it's really hard as a designer to come up with a way to incentivize people to win and yet still make it so it doesn't become a cakewalk and i don't know that this problem has been solved because again you don't want people to go forward not having a chance if they do really poorly or go forward and just steamroll it if they're really good at the game. You actually want to provide those players a challenge. So it really is hard. I think introducing variable difficulty levels might help. Hey, you know what? You think the game's getting too easy? Let's go ahead and you can ramp up the difficulty when you choose like you want to do it. So if you have different difficulty settings, you can let people kind of choose for themselves when they feel like the game's too easy or too hard and regulate that. We don't, you know, that way they don't get frustrated or they don't steamroll it, or if they want to steamroll it, they can too. So I think putting the choice in the hands of the players, as well as like leveling them up appropriately, will will help with that. But what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, that's something I've been struggling with as well, and I see that in different games on, well, do you incentivize them or not? And it's a tough one. I think the solution you suggested is probably the best way to go, at least in the short term. I don't know of any other game that has solved it. But giving that option to players helps alleviate that. I mean, honestly, there's some times where I don't mind steamrolling. I kind of think it's fun to feel super powerful. And other times, you know what? I, I need that challenge. I'm, I'm ready for that challenge. It really depends on my mood of the day. And opening it up to the players just kind of solves that, in my opinion. Sure. And then, of course, you have the third option, which is Gloomhaven, which says, hey, when you fail, replay the mission until you get past it. And so now you're almost leveling up yourself, not... The gameplay itself, you know, your character doesn't get more powerful, but you get better at the game before you're allowed to progress forward. So that, I guess that's a third option as well. You could also probably do it where you retain experience, even if you failed that mission, 
And so you could level up your character, even though you failed the mission and keep going. So then eventually you would level up your character enough where you can maybe beat that mission. Yeah, I mean, the problem with that gameplay decision is that thematically it kind of takes you out of it. Exactly. And so it, it's this concept of failing forward where even when you fail, you go forward, which makes sense story-wise, but doesn't necessarily... You know, it leads to that problem with differing power levels, whereas something like Gloomhaven, they sacrifice the story elements a little bit to make sure that you are ready for the next mission and you've leveled up appropriately for that mission. All right. Well, unless you have anything more, Steve, let's wrap up this discussion on campaigns versus non-campaigns. So I want to give a quick shout out to some of our Patreon members. So that would be Joshua Davis, Chris Powers, and Esben Arlid Rasmussen. These are all co-op MVPs, and thank you so much for your support. Yes, thank you. And if you want to become a patron, the link is in the show notes. And also, if you want to join us on Slack, there is a lot of discussion happening over there. There is a lot of just neat things going on in our Slack every day. It can be overwhelming at times, but the nice part is you don't have to reply to everything. You don't have to read everything. So I will say that it is a very active Slack. <laughs> True statement. And just recently we had uh, Jason from Every Night's Game Night uh, start his own channel on our Slack. So if you like his content and want to chat about his stuff, join us on Slack. Yeah, and some other exciting news. If you go over to the YouTube channel, Barrett from Meet Me at the Table has joined our YouTube channel as well. So you get to see his long-form playthroughs where he plays a game, an entire campaign, speaking of campaigns, from the beginning to the end. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for the non-spoilery section of Anne's End, New Age. And now let's head to the post-credits. But first, we're going to say bye-bye to everybody who doesn't want to hear that. <laughs> See you guys at the next stop. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. If you want to reach out to us, the best place to talk to us all is on the Slack. See the show notes for details. Also, you can support us on Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash one stop. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week with another Top 5 list. All right, so let's talk about what happens during the campaign that we couldn't talk about during the non-spoilery section. Yeah, so I'll get into some more details. We'll get into specific details because that's still fun to see in the box. I'll leave some of that out. So for Expedition, one thing I mentioned in our discussion was that you actually level up. In it and this is one thing that i loved so what they added is the concept of treasures there are three levels of treasures level one level two and level three so battle one is regular aeon's end after you win that battle you unlock a level one treasure and this is a card that's going to be added to your deck and so each player can pick one of these you have the option of a gem or a spell and the gem will replace an existing crystal in the game and the spell will replace an existing spark in, in the game. So you'll just substitute out a card for that card. Now, it, are, are these like static upgrades? Like when I'm done mission one, these are going to be my choices? Or do you shuffle up a deck of these upgrades and you take a random assortment of them? Yes and no. So in the pre-made campaign, they'll give you a set of them to choose from. And at the end, you'll wind up having a good, a decent sized deck of these uh, treasures and so you'll shuffle these up and deal out a set number of them during your your custom campaigns oh okay so they roll them out slowly to you but then when you're making your own custom one they roll it out you know then it's a random assortment exactly so you have a limited choice when you're playing your other expeditions 
but this really adds to your elements so now you feel like oh cool i've got this new power i can tweak and this power may be good for my my ally may be good for me and it makes some fun decisions always had a fun talk about how we want to add those to our decks now do they synergize with other cards in the set or with other cards that you have or are they just more powerful versions of a basic card? They synergize in different ways. I want to say that some of them might synergize with cards in the set, but they kind of synergize with potentially your mage powers, potentially with other cards in the card pool. It really depends on what you have. So this adds another level of interest. For example, maybe a level one treasure that, you know what, this doesn't seem very good, but if you had a certain mage or certain card in the card pool, now this becomes quite good. And so it Got makes it. that very interesting how it works. So then let's say you beat your, your second battle. Now you get a level two treasure. And level two treasure is a little bit different. You'll also get a, a set of them to pick from. And this will be applied to the whole party. So you get one card for everyone. So now everyone can use this new ability. But they all get the same card. Everyone gets the same card. Yep. It's one card you share for the table. But yes. And then if you beat that one, you get a level three treasure, which is a actually generally very powerful card. And it gets placed in front of you as well. It doesn't add to your deck, but it's your ability. So everyone gets their own ability. It's almost like a level two treasure, but now it's player specific. So that at the end of the game, when you do a battle four, you'll have a unique card in your deck, a shared power across the whole table, and a shared power specifically for you. Now remind me, how many expeditions are in the base box? There's only one expedition in the base box, unfortunately, that's pre-made, I should say. And then there's another expansion you can buy that has another pre-made expedition. So will you see all the level one cards when you play through the first time? Or do they have extra level one cards that they're adding in just for these one-off games afterward? There are some extra ones in there for in some expansion oh, okay. and other content you can buy. I, can't, I don't remember exactly where the level extra level one cards come from because I bought the Kickstarter that kind of threw everything in one box. So I'm not completely sure which one they, they came from, but there's a bunch of them out that you can get. Okay. All right, neat. So you're not limited to the ones that you get in the campaign. So even when you play through it a second time, you're not going to be limited to the same choices, which I like. Now, so that's how you level up in the game. That's kind of fun. Not only can you level up the carpool, have more synergy in there, be level up your mage with those treasures I said. Now the nemesis levels up too. They get what they call upgraded nemesis cards. And so as you play the game, there's these stack of level, like level one, level two, level three, or I said maybe stage is the correct term. Stage one, two, and three nemesis cards, and you'll add those into their deck. They replace the basic nemesis cards, and as you go, they get more and more. Of these get added, and these can be pretty brutal. So by the end of it, it's it's pretty tough. So these are just replacing the basics. They are not nemesis specific cards. Exactly right. Got it. So the one negative to that is, I feel like now there's a decent variety in the basic nemesis cards. So you really change up how the nemesis plays each time. But now that you're upgrading these Nemesis cards, you have there's only a small pool of them. Well, small is relative, right? Because if you have all the previous content, it's a decent pool, but not nearly as much as the previous content. And so it may sure. get a little samey until we get more sets to fill that pool out more. Now, you don't have advanced cards, though. You only have the limited set that you get in whatever boxes you have. There are additional expansion content out there that adds more... Uh, basic nemesis upgrade cards in there got it so got it, it plays it's very similar to treasures in that regard neat well it sounds like if you get this you're going to want to get its expansion probably even before you get some of the other earlier sets of aeons end is what it sounds like to me because of how these level ups work that's what i would do and then the other thing i added was this was kind of what i didn't expect and it's kind of a spoiler here but i'm looking to details they'll give you randomizers they will give you a mage randomizer and a nemesis randomizer 
So this is what I mentioned about them taking this set and looking back at all the previous products. They literally give you a card to represent every mage that's been released so far. Same with the Nemesis. And so what you can do and what you're supposed to do for these later expeditions is you, after you win, you can shuffle up these mages and add one of these mages to the barracks. And so now you can switch out your mage in mid-campaign if you're struggling with it. But you can only switch out to the mages that you've randomized into your barracks. And the barracks is just the, the name they use for the pool of cards or items or whatever it is that you can choose in that campaign. Interesting. So you already have randomizers, I think, for the cards themselves, for the different cards in the card pools. So you can randomize those that way. That's correct. Yep, and now you can randomize the mages. And then the nemesis, I thought they did a really awesome job here because... They have randomizers for them too, but they're actually grouped in difficulty levels. So there's a one, two, three, and four that correspond to the battles. So you will randomize one, level one, and that's generally the easier nemesis to go against. And you'll randomize oh, number one, and number two, number three, and number four. And that dictates your whole campaign. That's neat. That's a good way of doing it. That's smart. All right, anything else, Steve? The other thing I want to mention is the mages and how they change up the game. So the cool thing about this, while I get into specific details, is a lot of these mages have their own unique breaches, and they have to do some really, really interesting things. And on top of that, some of these mages have their own specific deck of cards that only they can access. And some of them will actually take their starter cards and upgrade them into their you know specific decks set aside for just them. It's a very, very cool concept. I haven't seen that done before in Anne's End. Yeah, no, that does sound neat. Yeah, no, you're making me want to get this, Steve. Stop. <laughs> I recommend it. This was really a surprise. I I got it just because my wife suggested it to pick it up, and I really wasn't sure about it on when the Kickstarter was there, but I love this game. This has really set the bar for Anne's End for me, across the board, actually. Yeah, and I love Anne's End to begin with, so, you know, I haven't uh, I haven't plunged in yet, but I'm, I, I'm considering it. I'm strongly <laughs> considering it. All right, well, if that's it, Steve... Thanks again for all your input. And uh, yeah, sounds like this is one that we highly recommend to check out. Thanks everyone for listening. Yep, we'll see you next week with another top five list. Hey, Steve. What's up? You know what I like about podcasts? What's that? It's like a campaign. You just listen to them and you keep leveling up with your knowledge. <laughs> okay. <laughs>